Hello, my name is Charles Johnson, and this is the Alabama Entrepreneur Podcast. Alabama entrepreneurs telling their stories, giving us a better understanding of the small business experience. Nicole Adams, owner of Stuffed Animal Clinic of Madison. Nicole Adams can make your worn out stuffed animals like new again. You can find Stuffed Animal Clinic of Madison on Facebook and Instagram. So Nicole, how did you learn to sew and restore items? Well, I lived the first nine years of my life with my grandmother and my mom. And so my grandmother was an amazing seamstress. She used to make me dresses and that was literally all I wanted to wear was what she made me. So she first taught me how to sew by hand, which now that I'm older, I find is very important. So I learned to sew by hand before I learned to do anything else on a sewing machine. And I kind of just self-taught myself from there. She kind of instilled that love for crafting and making things with my hands and mending things. My aunt, when she first met me, which I was really little, she said I was the only little kid that she knew that could sew her own Barbie clothes by hand. So she would, she still till this day tells that story. But yeah, it was, all of it was my grandmother. It was thanks to her. So you said that you lived with your grandmother for nine years. Yes, and then me and my mom moved, moved out. She got remarried and so we ended up moving out. I just continued on with with my sewing. My mom would take me out and we would get like those little sewing kits from the grocery store because I I was constantly asking for needle and thread and fabric. It was just something I've always been interested in. Did you still stay close to your grandmother after that time or oh, did yes. you all move far away? I've always been very, very close with my grandmother. She's always been more like a mom to me and my mom was always kind of more like my sister. Even till this day, like when we talk to each other, we talk to each other like sisters. <laughs> okay. Yes, I have. I was always very, very close with her. And we started out living in Montgomery. When I was about nine, we ended up moving when she got remarried. And then my grandmother ended up moving up here as well because her kids lived up here, like, and her son lived up here. So... She's like, why am I here? I want to be with my kids. <laughs> exactly, right? Yes. So how did you come up with this business concept? There had to be a time when you said, this could really be a business. How did you come up with it? Well, it's it all started with my youngest, my youngest daughter. She really likes to hoard stuffed animals, which I know a lot of moms are familiar with. <laughs> She was just constantly, like, you know, stuffed animals are just not made like they used to be. And they're, they're falling apart. They're not made with, with very good fur or fabric. So she was constantly coming to me to fix a stuffed animal. And I had a friend comment on how amazing that was that I could do that because her child would just be crying with a stuffed animal missing an arm and there'd be nothing she could do about it. 
So the idea kind of slowly formed from there. It, it took months just because I was really scared. I thought it was something that was just, it wasn't gonna go anywhere. And I wasn't sure how much sewing by hand and mending had become like a lost art. I wasn't really aware of that fact. And the more people I talked to, and it was like, I don't know how to hand sew. I don't know how to mend. I can't mend my own clothing. And I mean, I mend all of our clothing. I hem all of our clothing. So it's, it's just, I had no idea, you know? And then the more I talked to other moms. So I finally got on a Facebook mom group and I just presented to them my idea. I was like, y'all give me your absolute honest opinion. What do you think about this? It would kind of be like I was a stuffed animal doctor. And it was just, it was crazy. It was one after another. And I think I had over a hundred comments. Like, oh my gosh, yes. Oh my gosh, I have a patient for you. Oh my gosh, yes, please start this. This would be an amazing business. And it just kind of, it just escalated. So I was like, well, dang, but this must be a good idea. So I, I started it in December. It's just steadily gotten more and more, it's just gotten busier from there. So you work out of your home. I do. What all did you need to actually set this business up? Lots of shelves. <laughs> Lots of shelves. I, I started out in my dining room because we, I mean, especially with COVID and everything else, and we don't really host a lot of things at my house. So I started out in my dining room and it just started taking over my dining room. So I had one fold-up table and then I had another one and then I ended up having to go and buy a metal shelving unit and so my dining room is now my office so the shelving unit holds all the stuffed animals and I have like files of all of my customers and I have all I have bins and bins of stuff for my business how did you get your business license? I just went to the Madison courthouse and they just walked me through it and told me what they needed. And I was really nervous at first because I had never done anything like that before. I didn't want to do, do something wrong, you know, or not get what I needed. So I, I did a lot of research online and I talked to a few business owners, like small business owners and they kind of walked me through what they did. And, and at first they were like, well, I don't know if you're really gonna need one. I don't, I don't know how big your business is gonna get. And then all of a sudden they were like, oh yes, you need a business license. <laughs> so that's kind of where that went, so. How did you form this? Is this an LLC? Is it a sole proprietorship? It's an LLC. I also did a lot of research on that and I, did it more to protect my family. I'm okay with losing my business, for, you know, in case anything were to ever happen. I, all of my customers have been so amazing and I think just, just grateful to have someone that can do these things. And so 
I don't think anything would ever happen, but all I could think about was what if someone were to try to sue me or something and they could take my house or they could take, you know, they could take our stuff. And I just did, I wanted no connection between the two. I wanted both to be completely separate. And so that's why I ended up going with the LLC. And the more I talked with my other friends that were small business owners, they 100% agreed. Right, and having that limited liability protection mm -hmm. is so important, uh, I think, especially in today's world. Yes, so, absolutely. Did you have to get permission from your neighborhood association or anything like that in order to do this? No, actually, I was really surprised that I didn't have to do much. I, I went and got my business license, and they just asked if I was in a neighborhood, and I told them yes, I was gonna be working out of my home, and we don't have like an HOA or anything like that We in my neighborhood, and it's, it's an older neighborhood, and if anything, they've been so incredibly welcoming and I have actually done work for quite a few kids in my neighborhood. So <laughs> the kids have started calling me Doc McStuffins. <laughs> so at first I thought, I was like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't contact me to like <laughs> tell me to like stop. Because, but I was like, I'm not calling myself that. The kids are calling me that. So I just thought it was really cute because they, they get so excited just to come to my house. Like they get so excited and they want to meet me and they want to talk to me. And I had one grandmother ask if I would talk to her grandson because his, his bunny, um, she said, I, I can almost assure you that he ripped this ear. She said, I think he did it just so he could meet Doc McStuffins. And he just ripped this thing himself because it didn't look like this yesterday but is there any way that you can call and talk to him so you can assure him that this is actually going to the doctor and so I did I called him and I talked to him and he asked me some questions and and it was probably the cutest thing ever because <laughs> he was wonderful all, he was only five so it was really cute when you got your business license are you just a service business or do you offer retail and have to collect sales tax? I am just a service business, but I do offer, there's one package that I offer that I do have to do sales tax on, which is the get well package. It's, it's handmade items, but it is something that I'm making and selling. It's not as much a service that I'm providing. So it's. So you have to keep up with a monthly. I do. So you just mentioned PayPal, but how do people pay for your services? Mostly through PayPal. I usually don't take any other type of payment right now. I had a business before that it was just very, very small. I just made um, like baby accessories, like crochet baby accessories. and it got really, really hard to accept different, all different forms of payment. So for me, it was really hard for me to keep up with it. So PayPal is my only form of payment right now. And it keeps me organized for taxes, so. And you also don't take cash? No, not right now. I okay. Don't. And PayPal, it sounds like you've kind of got a good system that keeps everything mm -hmm. 
track it it keeps track of everything the way you need it to keep track of it and so it's not a bad way to do it and if people really love your service they're they're going to find a way to use that paypal i i've only had maybe two or three customers say well i can't use your services then because i've had bad experience i haven't i've had a bad experience with paypal so and i i completely understand and if if i had had a bad experience i would feel the same way but for me as a small business owner it just it's very helpful to keep me organized if someday down the road i find something that works better then i'll, I'll move to that but as of right now yeah i've only everyone has been willing to pay with paypal except for maybe two or three people how did you resolve the issues with the ones that didn't want to use PayPal? Were you able to do a service for them or did they just pass? They ended up just passing. In the very beginning, I was willing to take cash and things like that, but, the, but then once I got my business license and it became very real <laughs> that this was not just like a little side gig anymore this was a full-time job i i had to be more firm on on that policy because i wanted to make sure that i was doing things right and that i was keeping like a paper trail that i wouldn't be penalized for it at the end of the year so i was i just wanted to make sure i was being organized and i think that's a a great way to do it and everything is right there you know, not every business is designed for every client. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, sometimes it is okay if it means the best for your business and business practices to say, you know what, this is the way I do it. I'm sorry, but we're, we're just not able to serve you at this time. Yes. It's okay to do that. And I think you're staying true to what your business is, mm -hmm. which I think is, is great. Well, so. and I do, I do business all over the United States. So it's, I've had people ask if they can send me checks and I, I've just had to decline because I've had checks bounce before and then you've already done the work and you kind of doesn't work out well for you, especially when you've done all that work. But most of the time people have just been, been like, here, please take my money. <laughs> they've, they've been more than willing. <laughs> It's great. So what is your biggest challenge working from home? Prioritizing. Separating my family from my business. That has been my absolute biggest struggle because I have been a stay-at-home mom for such a long time. My kids have always, they've always been my, my focus. Now, <laughs> They will ask me, oh my gosh, are you done with that teddy bear? <laughs> because it's, if I know I'm really close to finishing something, I'll work past the time that I usually would. And it, it can get annoying sometimes. They, they really struggle with it because they've had my undivided attention for like the past 10 years. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a struggle. Well, and try and to prioritize is an important piece. It, do you have a start time and a finish time? Um, usually with my customers, I like to tell them that I officially start at nine. Okay. They can drop off before that time. On my, uh, 
when I send a, an appointment confirmation, it's normally between nine and six. I can be really bad about, I get a lot of messages late at night because, you know, people are sitting in bed and then they think about it and then they message me and they usually expect for me not to get back to them until the morning, but I am really bad about messaging back when I shouldn't. I, I should be just being with my family and, and or going to bed or anything like that and I will message them back because I'm so scared I'm going to forget somebody. and. I have had weeks where I have had so many customers message me that I have had, I've missed a few. And I have just been so embarrassed that I, I missed them and I'm super apologetic and they're usually always very understanding, but I, I don't like feeling like I'm making excuses for my forgetfulness. What supplies do you need on hand to make these animals look so good? A lot. <laughs> Thank goodness I am somewhat of a crafting hoarder. I have almost every color of thread. I already had quite a large stash of scrap fabric. I have had to really up my stash of different colored furs, different like velvet material. The biggest thing I had to stock up on was safety eyes. You can't just use regular buttons, for, um, especially for children. It's a choking hazard. Safety eyes are considered a one-time use. It's almost like a zip tie where, you know, when it clicks, you're not getting that thing back off. So that's how the eyes are. It Once it's clicked into that backing, you're not getting it off unless you cut it off with pliers. So, which I have had to do before. <laughs> <laughs> and it is it is very hard to get them off. So I, I do that just for safety purposes because a lot of my customers are children. I can't do anything about it if a dog rips the eyeball out, but I can fix it and I can add back on another safety eye, which is usually what I end up doing. Now that's really cool because <laughs> I hadn't thought about a question like that about safety for what you're putting on to these items. Because some of the pictures that I've seen, like the eyes are like incredible. I mean, it's like, how did you match these old eyes up? Like, did you actually clean them or what? But a lot of times you're replacing them. Yes, I have to, I have to because I, I can't, I've had people send me eyeballs in the mail, like, can you please reattach this? And I tell them for, liability reasons and for safety, since this is for your child, I, I cannot reattach this eyeball or this nose. And once I explain it to them, they're very understanding and they know exactly why I'm doing it that way. I am able a lot of times to go on, to go on Etsy. They have a lot of great vendors on Etsy that um, sell safety eyes and noses and all that different type of stuff. And I guess a wide variety of looks. Yes, yeah, wide variety. My only problem is sometimes it can take a really long time to come in because some of the vendors are in China or they're, they're in different countries. And so I'm waiting on some eyeballs right now that are probably gonna take two to three weeks to get to me. So I told the little girl, just hold on to your stuffed animal and I'll, 
I will let your mommy know as soon as it comes in and then I will fix your stuffed animal for you. So I think she was fine once she knew I wasn't going to keep her stuffed animal for three or four weeks. <laughs> right. I mean, being without your best friend for yes. three or four weeks is a long time. So I guess you pick out all these supplies yourself. You don't actually talk to suppliers no. or anything like that. You like to go in and look and look around the internet, go into Hobby Lobby or other stores like that to find what you need. I do. I am very particular. I want to make sure that when I sew it together, it's not going to fall apart. My goal is to make it where this stuffed animal or whatever it is I'm fixing, a blankie, you know, anything that can be considered a lovey, really, I want to make sure that you are going to be able to keep it as long as you need it. Because sometimes there reaches a point where you're willing to put it on a bookshelf where you don't need it anymore. But I want to make sure that it's safe for you to have as long as you need it. So can you take us through your process from receiving your patient through the procedure and then pickup? What does that look like from start to finish? It really just depends on the damage. If it's a really badly damaged stuffed animal, it can take me quite a few days. So I have a drop-off box at my front door, or I also do out-of-state or out-of-town customers, and so they mail me their stuffed animals. I first start out by, I remove all the stuffing, which that's why I don't do during the process pictures because that can be very upsetting to children to see their stuffed animal like that because sometimes I have to take it apart and I have to remove all the stuffing and sometimes eyeballs are missing and I have had a child freak out. So I don't, and that, that was heartbreaking to me because I felt so bad. So I don't send during pictures now. You only get a before and after picture and people have been very happy with that. So I remove all the stuffing and then I hand wash carefully all the stuffed animals that come through my door. I did, I used to offer that I, you could choose to do the cleaning, but I had a few stuffed animals that made it where I needed for my own safety of my hands, I needed to start cleaning all of them. And so that's a new policy that I have, that I, ha I have to clean all the stuffed animals that come through my door. So I clean them and they get cleaned in usually an organic, free and clear, non-scented detergent. And I do that for allergy purposes. And I just, I wanna make sure that if a child's hugging on a stuffed animal, they don't immediately start breaking out. I do that and then sometimes I will sit them out in the sun to dry because that is one of the safest ways to let them dry. You never ever ever want to stick one in a dryer. You can melt the fur because it's synthetic and it gets too hot in a dryer. And you also don't want to stick it in the washing machine because it's too rough on it and it can scratch up the eyeballs and then you could possibly have uh, stitches pop from being kind of thrown around in, in the washing machine. So I, I hand wash them all 
Sometimes it can take anywhere from a day or two for them to dry. I have a drying rack that I lay them on, but for those, those kids that can't really wait, they have to have it that night. I do have a professional pet dryer. It's a professional dryer that people that groom dogs use. And so I have made my own drying box, kind of like what you would put a dog in. And so I stick the stuffed animal in there and I check on it every like five to 10 minutes. And I just set it on, on like medium air and the air circulates through the box and it dries it that way. Because I, if I, I've had a few stuffed animals that I should have done that with because they can start smelling kind of bad if you don't dry them quickly. So yeah, so some of them I have to use the dryer. I, I tend to try to use the sun as much as possible because that seems to be just the cleanest way to, to get them dry. And then once they're dried, that's when the real work begins. I use a professional pet brush, like a slicker brush, to brush them out. And sometimes that can take me hours. I've had some of them that have had dreadlocks, so I have to pick them out and then brush them. So that's taken hours upon hours. Once it's brushed out, then I can, I can really fix it. So I've had quite a few like bears that their faces have just been completely ripped open from a dog. And so then I can, I can puzzle it back together. It's, I mean, it, it really is like a puzzle. So usually I, I kind of put the pieces together and then I puzzle it back together and then I can do the eyes and the noses and I can attach all the extras, but it really is just a process. It's just a long drawn out process. <laughs> and then you email them or call them when I usually do all of my messaging on Facebook and so I will message them and say hey your stuffed animal's ready and then I send them a before and after picture and then they're all excited and so then they just they schedule a pickup and then if they're if they're an out-of-town customer then they I usually try my hardest to ship it out the next day but if not it, it'll be within the next two to three days that I ship it back home. And when do you process their payment? That is actually something that I have had to change. I had to change pretty quickly. I had quite a few no-show customers, so I, I make it very clear that I, I take payment at time of scheduling to hold their appointment. But if for any reason, like the, the child is just not, they just can't separate from their stuffed animal. And I've, I've had this happen only once. I always tell my customers I'm more than happy to to invoice them or you know to send them a um, a refund, and I've I've never had any issues. Everybody's always been very kind about it. I think they they've seen how much how much work I've done, so I think they at this point I have earned some level of trust when it comes to their stuffed animals. So, well, in the before and after pictures on Facebook and Instagram are pretty amazing. Oh, thank I you. mean, we flip, Wendy and I, we, we flip through those pictures and it's like, look at it. I mean, how did this get from this old raggedy 
whatever into this beautiful new animal or blanket or whatever it is it's just such a transformation it looks so incredibly good thank you it's that is absolutely the most exciting part to me and it, they're so the pictures are so fun to look at because it's like you're thinking how did how did this <laughs> animal get like this but then how did you get it to look so new so it's just incredible i think it's just the entire process it's it's everything if you can't just do one thing like with when i have a stuffed animal that was attacked by a dog <laughs> i mean there's still dog slobber all over it and i can't sew it back together with the dog slobber on it and so i have to clean i have to clean every nook and cranny to get all of that off because that dog slobber will harden and then trying to sew it back together is it's not going to be a clean seam that looks like there's not a seam there and that's my whole goal that's my goal is to make it look as much as possible like it used to i have had so many stuffed animals that i can only do so much and i end up having to patch or completely replacing some fabric. I had one stuffed animal that I had to completely encapsulate it in new fabric because it was completely see-through and there was no hair left, but the little boy was so attached to it, so I just completely covered it in new fabric to make it look as much like the old one as I could. Obviously, it's not gonna be exact, but he was happy with it, so that's all that matters. Do you have a marketing budget? I do. I try really hard to to not spend more than like fifty to a hundred dollars a month. I am part of the the trade bank, and so they get my name out there a little bit. And then I also do a lot of Facebook marketing. I use their their marketing as well. And then I've had different interviews. Yeah, just a lot of different ways that I've, that I get my name out there. So you're spending advertising dollars on Facebook? Yes, that's mostly where I spend my money is on Facebook. And do you do any of that on Instagram? No, I haven't gotten into that yet. <laughs> but Facebook, and have you found that that has been a good way to spend oh, absolutely. some advertising dollars? Absolutely. I normally don't spend more than $50 a month, but I get on average anywhere from one to 200 new followers every month when I use that. And it's it's been really helpful. I mean, I I more than make my money back. So it's just, it's completely worth it. So, and I'm gonna go back to these packages. You have different packages that people can choose from. And one in particular is the Get Well package. Mm -hmm. So can you just kind of tell us what exactly is that? What do you get in that package? That, it's kind of funny how that one came up because I, I've had a few children that were very, very scared to leave their stuffed animal with me. And then when I brought up the Get Well package, all of a sudden it was, it almost became real to them. Like, oh, my stuffed animal is going to a real doctor, you know? And it became exciting because they knew they were going to get something back. I wanted them to feel like they were caring for their stuffed animal once they got home. Kind of like your mom does when you get home from the doctor and they give you your medicine and you know they take care of you i wanted them to get that same feeling 
they usually get um, a hand crocheted and all of this is with fabric for safety reasons. I don't use anything that could be a choking hazard. So they get a hand crocheted medicine bottle that has like an RX on it and it looks like a medicine bottle you get from the pharmacy. And then they get a cuddle blanket so that once they get them home, they can cuddle them up in the bed. They get a little prescription. It has the stuffed animal's name on it and it has usually as like their prescription it's lots of hugs and kisses and um and then i'll kind of like write my name on the bottom and then they also get a bandage so for like the boo-boo so i usually the bandage is just like a reusable velcro bandage that that i make pretty much all the kids have just the moms rave over them because they were, they were like i don't think that they would have left that stuffed animal if it hadn't have been for that package right so <laughs> and i i've only had one customer that didn't realize that the get well package was separate from the entire um, restoration so she contacted me and she said oh my gosh my daughter is so upset i i thought this was just a part of the whole thing and I I was like, I am so sorry. And so she ended up coming back the next day. I quickly made her one because I could not stand the thought of her daughter being upset. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you talked about some of the animals that come in are really in better shape than others. Yes, absolutely. So when you spend more time, it has to cost more. Yes. So how did you come up with this price structure how does that work? Sometimes it can be how dirty it is, how matted the fur is, because that can take a long time in itself. How much mending. Can you tell how much that may be when they drop it off? No, I have all of my customers send me detailed pictures of the stuffed animal beforehand because I just, I never want someone to be blindsided by a price. Right. I want them to be, be prepared. And so I usually look through the pictures and I see how many holes need to be fixed. Like how many, are the eyes gonna have to be replaced? Is the face completely opened up because of a dog ripping it to shreds? I have had stuffed animals come to me in a body, a head, two arms, and two legs because the dog just ripped it apart. You know, sometimes stuff like that can definitely cost a lot more. And also the older it is, it can cost more because it can take me more time because it's so much more delicate. I've had stuffed animals that were like 50 years old that I barely stuck a needle in it and it would start to rip. And so those are the ones I think that definitely stress me out the most. And I have to take more care with how I fix it. And usually I give a warning. I don't think you should sleep with this anymore. <laughs> I think this needs to be put up on a, on a shelf because I don't think I would be able to fix it again because of all of the mending I've already had to do. Now you don't have a website. I do not. And you do really connections with others through social media. Yes. Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. So do people send you pictures through Facebook or do they email the pictures to you? 
they send them through Facebook. I'm still kind of feeling that out because I know sometimes bad things can happen to your Facebook page. People can get on there and mess your Facebook page up. And I'm, so I'm trying to, I've had a lot of people trying to talk me into doing a, um, a website. I, I think for me, I've, my business took off so quickly that I wasn't mentally prepared for it. So it was, I think I just wasn't really mentally prepared to even think about a website. And I was also like, what would I put on it? I, I don't have time to get on there every day and, and post a little, like post a paragraph or just, just looking at all these other businesses on the web, their Facebook pages look so nice and they're constantly updating it. And I mean, sometimes it's hard enough for me just to get the before and after pictures up before I have to go pick up kids or I have to cook dinner or, you know, it's, it's just always, my time is just always taken up by something. So I'm, I'm always in a hurry. If your business is doing fine, you may not even need a website. At the moment, I don't. I, I have had so many people that were like, my friend shared your business or you know it's it's always something like that like my i saw your ad like when i do the facebook ads or most of the time it's my friend told me about you or a lot of word of mouth is is big for my business yes i don't think i need a website right now because i have been so incredibly busy and there's just no need for it at the moment um if things start to slow down and i have time to think about it then yes i would definitely consider having a website your how old are your kids i have an 11 and a seven year old and so you do this while they're at school yes so covid was very hard <laughs> right yes it was very hard but I mean I know there are so many moms and dads that had to do it I think my problem was just coming from being a stay-at-home mom and trying to give my kids undivided attention I, I've always tried to make it very easy for my kids to talk to me whether I'm cooking or cleaning like I, I try really hard I'm not always great at it but I always want them to feel like they can talk to me. And since I've started this business, a lot of my, when I'm like my creative juices are flowing and I'm trying to get something fixed and I'm getting these ideas on how to fix it and how to put it back together. If my kids come and start trying to tell me about a show they were watching or a book they were reading, I sometimes I have to be like, I can't talk to you right now. <laughs> so I can only imagine what, you know, engineers or, you know, people that were having to work from home that had to work behind a closed door. I can only imagine that had to have been so hard. Yeah, at COVID, you know, everyone's having to learn new ways of doing things. So. Yes. Okay, so I'm also very interested to know more about the memory bear and why did you come up with that as part of your business concept too? I think it was because a lot of my work has emotion behind it. A lot of the stuffed animals I fix sometimes belong to a loved one that's passed. Sometimes it can be childhood trauma that has someone so incredibly attached to a stuffed animal. Like sometimes that was 
their only friend. And so I just, I had seen some people making them. It was not my idea. I, I saw some, some examples and I just thought that was just the sweetest idea. I officially offered it once my grandmother passed because she was my, she was my rock. Like she was my everything. And I just thought about those other people that maybe didn't have things left behind, but maybe a shirt or a sweater or, you know, something of that nature. So I thought, well, that, that really goes with what my business is all about making people happy, giving them some hope. It just felt like the right thing to offer with my business. And it was a teddy bear. So it was like, oh, that's, you know, that just goes with it. People send me clothing from their loved ones that have passed and I turn it into a teddy bear. So it's something more, I guess, tangible, like something that they can look at that reminds them of that person. They they remember, it doesn't get folded up and put in a drawer anymore, or it doesn't get put in a trash bag and up in the attic. Um, it's something that can like sit on your bed. It doesn't look like you're just cluttering up a room. And it's something that when you're having a hard time and you're really missing that person, you can, you can hug it and you can just think about that person and all the good times you had with them. So it just, it just felt like the right thing to offer. Well, what has been your favorite memory of restoring a stuffed animal? It was actually in the very beginning. I did this six foot Paddington bear and it was huge to the point where I had to get my husband to help me because this, I could barely, I could barely maneuver this thing. It was just so cool to see the transformation. It had this big like stick going through the middle of it um, to kind of keep him sitting up straight, you know, so kids can sit on him and all that stuff. And the, the mom had said that she really wanted to restore it for her kids um, because it had, been, it had been through probably like three or four sets of kids by then. And it was just, it was so sad looking and it was so droopy and its head wouldn't stay up straight anymore. And when I was done with it, I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like Paddington. It, he looks proud, you know, he looks like he feels better. And so it was just, it was really exciting because he was so huge. Right. <laughs> and it was just like, this is any kid's dream stuffed animal. <laughs> well, where do you think your business will be a year from now? What changes? Oh man, I don't know. I I have ideas and maybe none of them will come to fruition, but I think I think I'll still be doing it out of my home, but I have thought about I know I've talked to people that have lived in Germany and they've told me about stuffed animal hospitals that were actually like in their own building. And you could go and it was a like half a toy store, but then also you could see the people in the back doing work on the stuffed animals and the kids would line up outside the window to, to watch them doing all this work. I just thought, oh my gosh, wouldn't that be cool to bring that back? Like that, that piece of, 
of history, you know, because we do have like the the economy and the the type of lives we live now is so oh if it's broken just throw it away. We don't really have that same mentality that you know our grandparents had of like you know fix it mend it you know yeah I, I have thought about someday doing something like that I don't know like I said I don't know if I will ever get to that point I mean I've been busy enough but someday my mom has begged me to do a children's book about the stuffed animal hospital um, and she she's begged me she was like that would be the coolest book to like go through and you know, write a story about all these stuffed animals and that I've fixed over the years, just, you know, pick my favorites and yeah, I've got, I've got lots of ideas. I don't know if, I don't know what will happen. We'll just have to wait and see. Have you thought about teaching people how to do this and hiring people so you can, you know, expand your delivery time? I think that's where that is one of my shortcomings. I am I am so very particular and it's this is one of those things that you can't really teach like how to put it back together. I can't give someone my mental image. My husband sees these things or my family members and they're like, "Oh my gosh, how are you going to fix that?" And but I it's kind of like you've seen those movies of those guys doing like the the math equations in their head and they're all popping up on the right. screen. It's kind of like that for and me. You see it. I just I see it in my head. And so it's just one of those things that you can't really and I am not a good teacher at all. That was something that was really hard for me through COVID. I am not a very patient person and I know that about myself and I work on it daily. But I could see I could see myself just being like, oh just let me do it. <laughs> you know, and so I I would hate to hurt someone's feelings or, yeah, I just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And also... Yes, it is very unique. It's it's something that, I mean, I can teach someone how to sew, but I can't teach them how to put the stuffed animal back together. There have been so many times that I have had to undo my work because I wasn't happy with it. I'm, I'm a big perfectionist. And so when I was younger, I would start on a project and I would get so upset with my quality of work that I would just chunk it. I would throw it away. And I can't tell you how much money I probably as a teenager threw away from doing that. But now I've learned it's okay to make mistakes. You can undo them with a seam ripper and you can start over. Sometimes it can be very, very upsetting because it was probably like an hour's worth of work but I'm willing to do it because I want it to be up to my standards. And if it's not, then I'm gonna redo it. What has been your best experience being an entrepreneur? The kids. The kids have been my best experience. Um, Just the reactions and... I get letters, I get pictures. I've had moms send me videos of them walking up to get their stuffed animal and just seeing their reactions 
I've received colorings, like, you know, kids have colored me pictures. I, I had one adult do a card, like, just this gorgeous cartoon illustration of their stuffed animal that I fixed for them. And I have, I have all of these in uh, a file folder and I, I plan on getting them framed or putting them in a book because it's just, it's, it's amazing to see that I have, it brings me joy. It, it brings me so much joy to see that I have, I have made somebody happy. It means a lot to me. What has been your greatest challenge of being a small business owner? Oh, there's been a lot of those. Feeling like I am neglecting my family. That has been my biggest challenge. Because when you run your business from home and you're busy all the time, the cleanliness of your house goes to the wayside. Sometimes you have to go and just make a frozen pizza or, and I love to cook. So I, I, you know, my family would usually have dinner every night. I mean, sometimes it was leftovers, obviously. I'm not gonna cook every night, but it just became such a struggle to do my usual work as a, as a wife and a mother and a housekeeper. And I never thought I would do this, but I've even had to hire a cleaning lady. That's probably the only thing that I have hired out because I have, I'm just too busy. I, I literally sit at my desk and fix stuffed animals most of the day, or I'm cleaning stuffed animals, or even restuffing stuffed animals can take a long time because you can't just shove the, stu the stuffing in there because it, then it's lumpy. Like you literally have to, to make sure it's smooth and it looks right so it's just everything can be somewhat time consuming yeah do you do you feel guilty oh yes oh absolutely there's a lot of mom guilt there i but i will say this i am a very big advocate for mental health and i'm not gonna lie that's something i have talked to my therapist about just that because I, I feel like it is very important to have someone to talk to because sometimes your family can only do so much. Let's be honest. True. They can only listen to you so many times. And so, yeah, it's just, it's nice to have someone to talk it out with. And because when I do talk it out, I am able to see how much I do for my family. But in the moment when the guilt's eating at me, I can only think about what I'm not doing for my family. So that has been a huge help, just having someone to talk to about it. Well, and I think that's wonderful because you can do both things. You absolutely can. And, you know, sometimes you, you know, you have that feeling, that guilty feeling, uh, but then you miss out on part of a piece of life that makes you happy. Yes. And so it all kind of has to go hand in hand. I completely agree. That's That has been something that has been so great about having my own business is that the things that remind me how much I do for my family, I can still take my kids to their sports practices. I can still pick them up from school. I can still take them out for ice cream. I can, 
I don't have a boss breathing down my neck telling me to be here, 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 or I have a deadline for this. I have my customers, but I can talk things through with them and they understand that I'm only one person and all of my customers have been nothing but respectful and kind, which I know is, is amazing because I know sometimes you can have difficult customers, I get that. But my mom always taught me that you always treat people with respect and she, I mean, she has always said the customer's always right, even if they're not. <laughs> All right, well, what advice would you give to others wanting to open a business out of their home? I would say make sure you have a space for it because I really did not go into this with a plan and I regret that because it, when it took off so quickly, I was kind of just scrounging to try to find space in my home and, you know, especially with having kids and having pets myself, it was, I wanted to make sure that these people's belongings were safe and out of the way of children's hands that were not their own kids, you know, or dogs. Since I'm already having to fix like dog attacks, you know, I didn't want them being scared to send their stuffed animals to me. So I would definitely say, make sure you have your own space to do these things. Find a way to be organized. Try your hardest to, um, to talk to other entrepreneurs or business owners, because they have such a wealth of knowledge. I've had several people recommend things to me that I never would have considered or even thought about because I had no, I had never had to do these things before. So yeah, just talking to other people that have businesses and just learning from their mistakes and you're gonna mis you're gonna make mistakes and you just you fix it and you move on learn from it and move on yep exactly so it's all you can do yep all right well is there anything else that you'd like to add to this interview well just that I I absolutely love what I do and I hope to continue doing it as long as I can yeah, I hope it can grow into something bigger someday. But if not, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, so. Well, it has been a great joy. I know we've, we've been trying to set this up for some time. So I know you're busy with kids and this business and a husband and, and all of those things that life brings to us. So, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time seriously to come in. And I, it's just been such a joy talking to you. So. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you. It was really nice talking to you as well. Well, I, thank you so much. So there you have it. Nicole Adams, owner of Stuffed Animal Clinic of Madison, another great Alabama entrepreneur. If you want to enhance your experiences throughout the great state of Alabama, I urge you to seek out locally owned small businesses. They will certainly increase your happiness. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving it a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you for listening.